Alongside Rob Lewis and Jesse Sampton, I'm Austin Price for the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast, mailbag edition on this Friday. Guys, we'll get right to it. Tennessee, uh, a slow week as far as the recruiting trail. Obviously, the news of Johnny Majors passing um, earlier this week. Uh, Coach Majors, 85 years old and uh, just a true, true Tennessee treasure. We'll start it off with the first question. This one from Jonathan David. Rob, share a favorite major story. I mean, I don't have like a, you know, like little just personal story, you know, aside. But I mean, much like you, AP. I mean, I grew up in East Tennessee. Both my parents went went to Tennessee, so I mean, I was indoctrinated early on. And when I was a kid, growing up, you know, in in the mid to late seventies, is when I first became aware of Tennessee football. Pretty much coincided with with Johnny, you know, coming back to Knoxville. I mean, he was the face of the program. I mean, and not. I mean, way more so than any player. I mean, it wasn't Tennessee wasn't great in in the late seventies, early eighties. And um, you know, I mean, Johnny kind of was Tennessee football to me. I mean, I can remember he was. I mean, he was a you know man of the people. I can remember going to basketball games at Stokely and, and seeing him you know in line at, at the concession stand, just you know you know talking to people, chatting people up, and um, you know more than more than anything, I just remember the games. I mean, some. I mean, Tennessee has had a lot of success, you know, in in the Philip Fulmer era. But some of the, you know, some of the games I remember more than anything, you know, growing up, were Johnny games. You know, the Sugar Bowl against Miami, the you know finally beating Alabama after you know a decade of frustration, um, the the miracle in South Bend. I mean, who, I mean, who could ever forget that? Just, just. I guess, you know, my short answer, I just remember it, it took him a while. There were some fits and starts. But, you know, Johnny got it back, got Tennessee football back to SEC championship level. From a football standpoint, couldn't agree more. Uh, from a personal standpoint, uh, I think Coach Majors is someone that just related to people. He loved people. People loved him. Um, he, he made this eight-year-old kid back in 1991 when Larry Laceville had uh, me down for my eighth birthday for a practice. Uh, think that you know I you know I, I was just as important as anybody else um you know I, I it's not a coach major story but his wife I was at at a yield steakhouse oh god four or five years ago and uh this woman walked by and she reached down and grabbed a french fry off my plate and ate it and cackled and kept going and I was like what just happened I, I had no idea what just happened and I looked up, and it was Coach Major's wife, and she walked over there and sat down with him at the table. I don't know why she ate a French fry off my plate. I don't, I never asked. But when I told the story to him uh, later, he, he goes, that's her. And just, you know, and then he, he had a big time with it. And, you know, I, I just think they just loved Tennessee. They loved Pittsburgh. They loved every step along the way. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, sure, he wasn't happy with how things ended here um, with, with his ouster. But I think that, you know, while he didn't necessarily forgive certain people, I think he forgave, you know, or or no one's ever even mad at the fans and that type of thing. He 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 just when he came back here after he retired from Pitt, um, he, he loved being back around Tennessee people. I mean, he Tennessee through and through and uh, you know, definitely a big loss. Uh seems like all these things happened in the summertime. Haywood Harris died ten years ago, uh this past oh, week. Oh, has it been ten years? Ten years. Uh oh, you know, obviously man. Pat died in the summertime. 
Um, you know, it seems like it's always a summertime deal. When they, that Pat Dye, how about Pat Dye and Coach Majors going within a week of each other? Uh, is, is this cabin up for auction? Jesse? Hey, come on. I don't know. I was just glad that Miss Majors didn't take some, some of your well-done steak. <laughs> There's a hamburger steak out there at the at the at the old state. But it, it, it was well done, though. No, no, you're right. I mean, you know, Coach Dye, um, uh, Coach Majors, and then there was one more. Who was the other one that, that passed away this past week? That was a college college uh, sports uh, icon. There was a third one. Um, I, I don't know, but Dye and Majors are, are certainly two legends oh, down here, especially down here in the South. I mean, Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, just, you know, and two, two guys that love their school, two guys that, that you know, um, meant so much to both institutions, both Auburn and, and had Tennessee. some epic battles. But, I mean, that was, you know, Tennessee and Auburn played every year. That was, you know, kind of like the Florida game is now, except Tennessee yeah, won it. I wish t- there was a way that you could do if, if yeah, I think if you could ever get, of course, that would just make Tennessee's schedule even harder. Um, they already have Alabama every year, but you know, it, I would love to see that kind of return to it if, if, in some form or fashion where they played Auburn more than once every, um, you know, five, six years. The next question comes from Cajun and Jesse over under two and a half commits in the month of June. Uh, I mean, I would, I'd probably lean under. I mean, you know, I think they're in a couple coin flips, but if this would be, I'm also going to go with the presumption that Paige and Dawkins are not going to make a decision this month. But right. I mean, like if Wolf, that's a coin flip, you know, I I think you're obviously less than a coin flip for a guy like Smile Munden. Um, So they could have a guy or maybe even two guys pop, but I'm not sure they get three guys this month. What do you think? Oh, I, I'm definitely going under for the month yeah. of June, uh, under two and a half. Um, the, the second part of his question was limited to no fans or will limited or no fans help or hurt this team both home and away? I think it helps, help, helps away. I think it helps any away team, you know, with, with no limited to no fans. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, that, that seems like the simplest answer. I will say, obviously, Tennessee – prides itself and and certainly this school and it's fat and it's you know uh fan base prides itself on just kind of how crazed and and behind their team they are so the fact that if there aren't fans you know hypothetically i i certainly tennessee would have one of the bigger home field advantages completely disappear next question comes from cd vol do you think all three running back commitments stick jesse do I think all three running back commitments stick? Uh, I mean, Wright, I think, is going to, you know, continue to gain um, interest from other schools as, as kind of his exposure gets out there and, and, you know, people get a bigger look at him. But the fact that Tennessee was in on him early I think is important. I'll say right now I'll say yes. You know, Cody Brown, you know, that's a, a Tennessee obviously beat out Auburn there. But, again – you know, that was a battle they won. I'm not sure how much is really going to change. So, right now, I'll say yes. I, I, I say yes as well, but I, you're right. I think that all three are, are, you know, possibilities because I think Wright's going to see more traction. South Carolina's not going to give up on Tyon Evans, and he's bound to get more interest from others. 
And then you're right, Auburn's not going to give up on a guy like Cody Brown, and Cody Brown's going to continue to garner more and more interest, especially playing in 7A down in the state of Georgia. Uh, Vol Iams question, Wolf commits somewhere before or after June 15th? Uh, I, I think it's before. I, I think he's, he's leaning to do it around June 13th. 13th or something like that, yeah. Yes, yes, it if is. If he sticks with that timeline. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think he does. Uh, I, I think it's before June 15th. Um, Rob, any cool ideas UT and Pitt might look at for an upcoming home-and-home home to honor Johnny? Heard it mentioned both teams wearing throwback unis and the winner getting a trophy with his name on it would be cool. I don't think it's way too early to talk about that, but I do think with that home-and-home home coming down the pike in the next few years, um, it does make some sense to do something to honor Coach Majors. Yeah, I mean, I can see some, like, you know, jumbo, you know, a really nice Jumbotron tribute, which, you know, Barry Rice and, and Lee Hudson, I'm sure, would knock out of the park, uh, you know, with, with video and, and interviews. But I, mean, I, I don't know about a trophy. I mean, I wouldn't think that it's going to be something that you see happen regularly. But it could be, you know, some, some cool symbiosis. Yeah, I, I agree that the trophy for a home and home, you're not going to do a trophy. But I do think you maybe could do a jersey type thing. Johnny was big on the orange britches. So, um, orange you bridges. know, I could definitely see Tennessee uh, rocking that, especially on the away trip to Pittsburgh um, or, or, you know, Pittsburgh returning to favor when they come down here. But it is quite ironic that uh, Coach Majors, uh, you know, his, his, his two teams uh, will do battle coming up here in a home and home. Um, you know, in the, in the next couple of years. So, you know, I, I, Tennessee's got to get to work on their future scheduling. That's something I think that uh, something's got to get done in the athletic department just based on the fact that, you know, they need to be able to book some games further out than what they have it at this point. Jesse, Go Vols 2019 says, who is still on the O-line board that is realistic? Also, with the amount of interior linemen taken in 2020, is the emphasis placed more on tackle bodies for the linemen we are looking at this year? I mean, yes. I mean, that's what Kobe Smith is, a, you know, a six – what is he, six six, uh, 295 or, or something like that with the, with the ability, uh, you know, to, to certainly add another 20 pounds. So he's a true tackle body. I don't, I'm not sure, frankly, if Dedrick Pennington is a tackle, but he is being recruited certainly uh, as an offensive lineman. He, he does kind of have a little bit of the Jerome Carvin hybrid uh, body to me, but he's a guy that uh, Tennessee's recruited hard, and I know he uh, eliminated them, but I do think it's a little bit too early to just completely cross him off there. In-state kid, Memphis, Tennessee's going to keep swinging. So the biggest names, right, is Diego Pounds, uh, William Griffin, formerly William, Par for William Parker, formerly William Griffin. Those are probably the they'll, two. They're going to keep swinging on Jamarion Gooch at King's Academy. Yeah, and again, another in-state guy, and then, you know, they're, they're – uh, They've at least, you know, ascended in, you know, from barely making Amarius Mims as top 10 or 12 or whatever it was and getting the last spot. They're, they're at least in the conversation there. Now, how serious is that? I, I certain, most seem to believe it's, it's already really down to Georgia and Alabama. So those are at least some names to keep an eye on. But I, I agree with the, the poster's question. I mean, like, they loaded up on all these guards uh, or interior guys guards and center last year, that they need some more tackles, considering that Wanye, Darnell, Calvert, these guys are all going to be, you know, either at their NFL eligibility or exhausting their eligibility next season. 
I mean, is that the board? I mean, because if you just write off four guys, one That's who's pretty much it. One who's committed elsewhere, one who just didn't put Tennessee in his top five, and one who you think is going to Alabama and Georgia. Well, that, it, it, there's just not a ton of tackles that Tennessee has their, you know. And, and, and his parents a tackle. Pounds is a tackle. He is a tackle. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that's I mean, what, so you got so you're, of uncommitted guys, you're looking at Pounds and Griffin. Yeah, yes. and Griffin, I think, is a guard. Um, I agree with that. I think Griffin's a guard, too. T in Vault 2004. Um, Will the staff pursue Markel Benton? No. Which role would Jeremy Banks play? That would be inside backer. Last year, Kenneth George appeared to lock down the secondary. Does he have NFL draft potential next year, Jesse? Oh uh, yeah, I mean if if he plays, I mean he's a, he's still raw. Last year was really his first. I'm not, I'm not sure what locked down the secondary. I mean, I mean he didn't start like he wasn't starting every game, but he uh, was a guy who who emerged. You know, midseason, he took advantage of, of kind of some, some subpar times from, from both Bryce and Alante, and, and I think he's squarely in the rotation this fall. He has an NFL body. Um, he can run. So it, the, the more experience he has, he does, I think, have pro potential. He needs to kind of continue to improve, but he's certainly on that path, and it doesn't, help, it doesn't hurt him, excuse me, that, you know, he's being coached by two guys in, in DA and, and Jeremy that have sent a whole bunch of – you know, corners and DBs to the NFL. Do you see any guys switching positions this fall? I'm sure there will be. I don't. I think it's too early to tell because we didn't see spring practice. But I mean, with the with the way this staff has moved, you know, guys around and flip flopping them, there's has to be right. I mean, like, uh, really, all three of those guys going to stick at tailback. You know, wh- whether Tim Jordan's back or not. Um, someone is, is, is certainly going to, I think, change because Tennessee's just short at some spots uh, while they're deeper at others. His final question as he asks an entire mailbag, predict where the defense will be ranked in the end. That's too vague. I, no one knows. I mean, it, it's it, a lot of – too much – too many questions. I mean, who, who replaces Daryl Taylor? <laughs> who replaces Nigel Warrior? I mean, all that stuff. We'll go into, you know, be, be showing you what this defense is made of. Rob, Deshaun13 says, is the Oklahoma game setting up good for Tennessee? Nah, I mean, good is a strong statement. But, I mean, as somebody mentioned earlier, if there's no fans in the stands, I mean, I think that helps you when you go on, a, you know, a big road trip like this. I do think the fact – I mean, we've talked about this before. Tennessee's bringing back a lot of experience. Oklahoma's breaking a new quarterback. You know, I don't know that – I mean, Oklahoma's still a really talented team. And, you know, Tennessee hasn't won a game of this magnitude in, God, forever. But, yeah, I mean, on the face of it, I mean, I, I think it sets up well. I mean, with all the, you know, the COVID stuff, no spring practice for, for Oklahoma to try and acclimate the new guy under center. You know, Tennessee brings back a fifth-year senior who you would hope, you know, is, is going to be a little better in, in his second year with, with an offensive coordinator for the first time in his career and a lot of experience elsewhere. So, and yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee has some advantages, but I don't know that I don't know that set up good is exactly how I would describe it. Yeah, and I, think, right, so. I think I think so. I think some folks are also. It, it's not that it's not important, but I think some Tennessee fans are making too much of a of a big deal about the fact that Tennessee is now getting players on campus this weekend or right now, and they'll start workouts on Monday, and basically they'll have two weeks of workouts before Oklahoma gets on campus July one. Which yes. 
but they're not really doing football. I mean, it's eight, they only get as If they were doing hours. two weeks of practice, it would be a big deal. But two yes, weeks of it, 100%. If it was two weeks of full practice, it would be a monumental difference. But it's just, we're talking about 16 hours total. That includes weightlifting, no football, you know. So I don't think that is like this huge advantage compared to, you know, some of the other stuff Rob mentioned just in terms of Tennessee's continuity versus, you know, what, what Oklahoma's having to break in. Yeah, and you're still talking about a team that made the college football playoff last year and outside of quarterback is bringing back, you know, quite a few significant pieces. All their offensive linemen, yeah. This is where I don't envy Hubs doing the uh, the call out of the uh, person's name on VolQuest each, each week. K-Bus McMe5 or something. <laughs> it says, if a player takes a red shirt this year, does it count against the 85 for this season? I actually think Latrell Bumpus would benefit from it and also return next year to play more – significantly on the defensive line with yes, so much more experience. Count. Yes, yeah. it does count. Um, and hey, I do Bumpus think – has a chance to maybe the best pass rusher. Well, I think if Cade Mays is eligible this fall, I think you're going to see somebody be offered an opportunity to redshirt, much like Brandon Johnson was a year ago. Um, so I, I do think that there's opportunities like that with the uh, depth along both lines of scrimmage. Let's see, um, Jesse Hawthorne asks, who currently committed in this class does not sign in this class of the high-profile targets, such as Dylan Brooks, Terrence Lewis, Cody Brown, those top players? Uh, I mean, I think, I think they're going to have the, the hardest time holding on to Terrence Lewis. They're, they're, they're you know, in, in, a, in a solid standing right now. But that one is, as we've alluded to before, is, is – can I think it can potentially get dicey at times behind the scenes. And so, um, you know, he's someone that, they, frankly, they need to get, whenever these visits happen, he's one of the first guys that you're trying to get, you know, on campus uh, because he has not been up here in a while. Um, you know, he, he was not a guy that visited this, you know, even before Dylan Brooks had been on campus a bunch of times, three times this spring alone or this winter alone. So I, I think of those answers, Terrence Lewis is probably my, my first one. Simpson Vol asks, how does Ty Simpson rank among the all-time high school quarterback prospects in the state of Tennessee? I say um, in the rivals era, he is the best quarterback that's ever come it's out. Been, of it's state. not even close. And that's – I mean, we've talked about it before, A.T., but it's – I mean, Anything it, before that was kind of very much a, a wash because – Back the offenses were different back in the seventies I mean, and eighties. Todd Helton was a big time recruit, you know, back in the day. But he was also a baseball guy. I mean, he but he had options. I mean, big time SEC options. But I mean, it, it's. I mean, I don't mean I don't mean this to hype Ty Simpson up that much. Because I mean, I don't know that you know where he's going to fall in the, in the rivals. You know, top two fifty, top one hundred, or whatever. But just it's just weird that the state of Tennessee has not produced a big time quarterback prospect. And I mean, they've they produced some some great players. I mean, NFL you know players, guys that have gone on to have great success in the in, in the rivals era, and they have not produced. This state has not produced a single big time quarterback since you know Hubbard and I've been doing this, which is about almost twenty years now. I mean, the highest rating. I don't even know, like AP, who at number two in even the last like ten years? Be? I mean, BJ Coleman was a four star when he came out, but he was a low four star, and it wasn't like Tennessee, you know, beat out you know, a ton of people. Engel Martin was a 
pretty big time. Lamar went to Florida, but yeah, and then yeah, the kid at Selvin South that went to Kurt Phillips, who went to Wisconsin. Just, um, it's really weird. I mean, they, I mean, Tennessee has produced some big time NFL players. I mean, Derek Barnett, Patrick Willis. They just you, know, you can go on and on, and but they have not produced a quarterback. Miller Boy Twenty One asks: Is Tim Jordan a goner, and does that open spot op, open a spot for a grad transfer? No, Tennessee's trying to lose bodies, not gain new ones. Uh, is Tim Jordan gone? I don't think a decision's been made. Um, I do know that he is not back on campus as of uh, this taping on this Friday morning. So, um, you know, I think that he definitely opened himself up, Jesse, to Jeremy Pruitt having to make a decision uh, about you know the future of Tim Jordan. Yeah, and, 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 you know, when we've done these rewatches, we've, we've highlighted the fact that Jordan, for a team that has a small margin for error, has he's not a dynamic tailback. He's not a game changer. But he did contribute uh, significantly at times in, in a couple um, key wins a year ago. And so the loss would sting. But it's something that when, when Jeremy's looking at how does he have to get under, you know, he's got 90-some-odd people on scholarship. you got to get down by the time the semester starts in August it's kind of a natural, easy casualty to say, hey, I mean, those gun charges are pretty serious. Um, you know, it, it's less about just the weed than kind of uh, some of the other stuff that, that was in that report. So um, this, may, this may be an easy decision for Jeremy to, to cut bait. Elberg Vol asks, we know about the defensive linemen like Gooden, Solomon, Middleton, uh, along the defensive line. Who do you see as a, someone flying under the radar that could really have a big season? Is it Bumpus, Garland, Butler, Emerson, Savion Williams, Simmons, or Mincy? I, I mean, I, I don't know that they're necessarily under the radar, but I, and I don't know that I would say it's a big season, but I think Bumpus and, and um, Emerson are, are two guys that I would expect to, to flash and, and, and be real factors. I'm going to be curious about Mincy. Mincy's going to be an interesting guy to watch early in the season because he was someone that Pruitt and, and the previous coaches seemed to like a lot when he was a freshman, um, and then it just last year, he just didn't play much, you know? Um, so that one to be curious. I, I think they, they hope that uh, Elijah Simmons will be a guy that kind of factors into the rotation if his conditioning is in the right spot, and he can kind of um, be that secondary, you know, uh, you know interior D-tackle, nose tackle type. Um, behind Gooden and, and and some of the others and Emerson. Yeah, and I and I maintain I'm a, a big proponent that you're not necessarily going to see one guy. It's going to be a committee type thing um, where one one week it may be a Matthew Butler making a play, the following week it may be a Karat Garland making a play. Um, you know, Mincy's a, a great candidate. I just don't see Savion Savion Williams getting on the field last year. I just not sure he's going to be able to get on the field this year with even more bodies in in front of him. Uh, heading into this 2020 season. Let's see here. Next on the questions, uh, hard hat ball. Will either of the tight ends signed last year, being Jackson Lowe or Sean Brown, factor into the team this year, or are they a long way from contributing? I, the opportunity is there. I'm not sure. Uh... Sean Brown, to me, is the most likely candidate of those two that will play. Yeah, and again, the opportunity is there. It's one of them needs to step up. I, I'm in agreement with you. I think Sean Brown has the SEC body. Um, it's just kind of how it translates. Uh, you know, other than Austin Pope, we don't really know what Tennessee's going to do at tight end. Is Jordan Allen going to factor in there after he switched positions, you know, briefly during the spring? 
you know, it's Princeton Fant. Uh, has he finally found a home? Is that going to be, you know, can he be the number two guy? So there's a chance somebody's going to have to step up as much 12 personnel as, as Jim likes to, you know, utilize. So. Go Vols 21 asks, I see Christian Charles' name mentioned more and more. Where does he project to play? What are the Vols' chances? He projects as a corner. Um, I think Tennessee's got a, a pretty good shot, but he's not really been anywhere. He's not visited anywhere. This kid's never really been a part of the recruiting process up until uh, the last couple of months during the COVID, uh, you know, shutdown. So, you know, I think he's going to go take some visits this fall and, and you know, schools will get out and evaluate him and, and we'll see from there. But corners where Tennessee likes him at. Uh, the last question, Chickamauga ball number two. Is there a Chickamauga ball number one? Wow, I had that? to go with number two? Um, <laughs> Gibbs, all SEC ability. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, the kids never played, you know, very, hardly. I mean, played based, based on based on his ranking out of high school, the thinking was yes. Based on his production in his time at Georgia, I would say no. But now he's playing a different position, so who knows? JG, should we expect improvement in year two under Cheney? Would you agree, or or you remain skeptical? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm skeptical and also think that you should <laughs> expect improvement both at the same time. I mean, I, I really think Jared will be more efficient. I mean, I, that's – I mean, maybe that's an assumption on my part, but I, I mean, I, I just think that he'll be able to to make, make some layups. And, you know, where last year, you know, he, he would – he made some great – he would make some great throws and he would just miss what, you know, what you would think would be, you know, some in a golf analogy, a, a, a tap in you know, here and there. I, I think Jared will be more efficient. Yeah, sounds like my putting. Uh, linebacker group looks really athletic. We all uh, – we will all miss Taylor and Batuli, but possibly an underrated position? I don't think it's going to be underrated. I think it's, <laughs> it's going to be a position that it has some it, – it, it has some legitimate talent, and Toa Toa might be the best player uh, on the team or on defense, but the pieces surrounding him have a lit – of question marks um and that's both inside and outside I mean we don't know aside from Bennett who's going to kind of emerge as, as some of the other outside linebacker pass rushers um and who is going to be paired with with Henry um in the middle is it going to be Crouch is it going to be Banks you know can can JJ uh make some you know um big time year three leap is a freshman going to factor in it's just that there's some talent there. I, I agree with the, with the question, but I don't know about it. it's going to be under, you know, underrated. My he biggest question his, is, he, where, where's the pressure going to come from off the edge? I mean, is well, it, that's, and that's his next two questions. It, I mean, that's his is next two questions. Harrison, is that the guy? Well, he, he asked, you know, seems like he has Twitch, future All-SEC potential. I don't think you know that yet. But talk about his game. And then Kayvon Bennett, does he have a chance at seven-plus sacks? <laughs> I say no, but if he does, then Tennessee's rolling along the defensive line and, and, and edge pass rushers. Well, I mean, I think Bennett could get seven. I mean, if he's going to fill the role of getting to play as many snaps as DT did. That's, it. That's the equivalent I'll of the number the of sacks that DT got two years ago. I'll, t- I'll take the under if, if Bennett's sack total is seven. Well, that's a look at this week's VolQuest.com podcast. Rob, Jesse, we do appreciate the time. And as always, we will miss Brent Hubs, but he'll be back on Monday for everybody that's missed Hubs this week. He needed a 
good chance to kind of rest and relax and vacation. You know, in East Tennessee, you need a reliable heating and air system design for your home and our climate. You need a team that is trained and held to the highest of standards. You need solutions, not sales pitches. There are many heating and air companies in East Tennessee, but there's only one you need to remember, and that's Blue Water Climate Control, veteran owned and family operated. When you need a new system or major repair, Blue Water isn't going to send out a salesman. An air conditioning expert will visit your home. They'll lay out options that include repairing the system you have, replacing it with a system that's affordable, upgrading your energy efficiency, and improving your indoor air quality with options for financing that include same as cash or even rent to own. Call 299-2290 or visit bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Rob Lewis and Jesse Simpson, I'm Austin Price for the Volquest.com Blue Water Podcast.